0: Welcome to the Danny Picard Show on the Podcast One Network. It is Thursday, October 24th, 2019. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will preview Week 8 in the NFL. I'll give you picks, picks for Week 8. Five games against the spread, as I do every Thursday. I'm going to open the show with some thoughts on the Josh Gordon story. A very strange story. Josh Gordon was placed on injured reserve yesterday. And according to reports, he is actually going to be healthy enough to play, which means the Patriots, when he's healthy enough, they have to release him. And so Josh Gordon now expected to not just be placed on injured reserve, which he was, but he's now going to be released and play for another team this season. So a very strange twist in the Josh Gordon story with the New England Patriots. I will share my thoughts on that. Speaking of Patriots, Adam Schefter continues to talk about Tom Brady's future. He was on ESPN today on this Thursday morning, and I will tell you what Adam Schefter said. He is just adamant once again that Tom Brady is not going to be playing for the Patriots next season. And so he almost double. I guess he doubled down on it. Now, it seems more like his opinion right now than it is actual fact. But when Adam Schefter speaks with an opinion, a lot of people take that as fact because he is a guy that for the most part, 99% of the time only reports facts, only reports the breaking news. So Adam Schefter, he is talking about Tom Brady's future once again. I will tell you what he had to say, and I will react to that as well. And the NBA season has officially begun. I have some thoughts on the Celtics losing to the 76ers in Game 1 of the regular season last night. The season open of the Celtics lose to Philly. I have some thoughts on that. All of that and more, all of it today, presented by BetOnline. Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. And make sure you check out the PODCAST1 Sportsnet Challenge, where myself and other PODCAST1 personalities make NFL picks every week. And our picks are posted on the website, podcastonesportsnet.com. Check out our picks, check out the standings, and um, uh, it's not with the spread, it's just straight up winners, but I'm going up against the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Adam Carolla, Shaquille O'Neal, Chael Sonnen, just to name a few, so go check that out at podcastonesportsnet.com. And it is presented by BetOnline, betonline betonline.ag, the exclusive partner. Of Podcast One Sports Net. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC. P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, PIC. And you can play for free this Sunday in the $1.3 million play action contest for week eight in the NFL. $1.3 million in total prizes. With $100,000 going to first place, you can win $100,000 by just playing for free. When you sign up right now using my promo code PIC, P-I-C, promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Thursday, October 24th. Some madness yesterday with the Josh Gordon stuff. I did not see this coming. Josh Gordon injured his knee on Thursday night against the Giants. In week six, you remember that play where, you know, he gets the, the foot twisted up in the ground and his body kind of goes away from his knee and it looked terrible, but the next day or even later that night, the initial news was that they dodged the bullet and that Josh Gordon was actually, just, he was going to be just fine. That it wasn't anything major, it wasn't anything serious, and that... You know, Josh Gordon would be playing for the Patriots once again at some point very soon. Now, Josh Gordon did not play on Monday Night Football, and the Patriots win against the Jets. The Patriots beat the Jets 33-0. Josh Gordon did not play in that game. And I'm not shocked by that. You know, given the way that knee injury looked, even if they dodged a bullet with it, I still understood him not playing against the Jets on Monday Night Football. They didn't. They don't need Josh Gordon to beat the Jets. But you'd think, you know, they might need Josh Gordon to win a couple of the big games down the stretch after the bye week when you get the games against Philly, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City. Put it this way. When we were told that Josh Gordon's knee injury was not going to be serious after the Thursday Night Football injury against the Giants, I, I, I never thought that we would be sitting here talking two weeks later about Josh Gordon not just being placed on injured reserve, which, by the way, when you're placed on injured reserve, the amount of weeks you have to miss. His season is over, right? Season ending injured reserve. I do not think we'd be talking about putting Josh Gordon on injured reserve. I certainly didn't think we'd be talking about Josh Gordon being released and playing for another team this season if he was healthy enough to play. So the news from Ian Rappaport yesterday was that the Patriots will place Josh Gordon on injured reserve, but Josh Gordon might be healthy enough to play, which means that when he is healthy enough to play, which could be very soon, they're saying, the Patriots, who cannot take him off of injured reserve and make him active because you have to miss a certain amount of weeks, the Patriots, if if Josh Gordon's eligible to play, They have to release him. They will release Josh Gordon. Now, if he's released after the trade deadline, which is this coming Tuesday, after these week eight games, the trade deadline's next week. If they release Josh Gordon after the trade deadline, he's placed on waivers. If he's placed on waivers, this is so—it can get a little complicated. But if they they wait until after the trade deadline, you put him on injured reserve— and then he's healthy enough to play, and you release him after the trade deadline, he's placed on waivers, which means that whoever claims Josh Gordon has to also claim, what is it, the one point... We'll call it one million. The one million cap hit that remains, that he is owed for the rest of the season. We'll call it a million bucks. Million dollars. That that team that claims Josh Gordon has to take on that one million dollars. Okay? So, um... This is a this is a very weird story. Very weird story. I, and and at first, I'll be honest with you, like I've been going back and forth how to react to this. Because I keep asking the question, if Josh Gordon if he if he's going to be healthy soon and he's going to be healthy to play soon and the Patriots know this, why put him on injured reserve? Why put him on injured reserve? And the only thing I can think of is the Patriots, when it comes to Josh Gordon, something happened. Something happened that they didn't like. People will make the argument that they need to free up the $1 million because of, you know, because of salary cap space and you, and you trade for Mohamed Sanu. And by the way, I reacted to the Mohamed Sanu trade on Tuesday's live stream. Um, but I'll, I'll share my quick thoughts on it again in just a few minutes, but you trade for Muhammad Sanu. It's a good deal. You gave up a lot to get him a second round pick. I did not think that you'd have to give up that much. I did not think you'd have to, to give up a second round pick for Muhammad Sanu. I would have said maybe, I don't know, maybe a fourth, maybe a third, maybe, but definitely not a second. So you gave up a lot. Did you get better? Yeah, you got better you improved as a football team by adding Mohamed Sunil. There's no question about it. Six foot two, six foot three. You know, you can play on the outside. You um, can play on the inside. I, I think a lot of people enjoy the fact that he he will play on the inside and can play on the inside. Um, And, you know, he's under contract next season as well. People will make the case that you know they did this with Josh Gordon; they place him on injured reserve so that they can release him after the trade deadline, and and somebody else can can pick up that salary, and and they they do that for salary cap reasons, pertaining to to Muhammad Sanu and how they're going to fit him in. You're going know, to have people that will say that. I'm not I'm not one of those people. I think that if the Patriots know Josh Gordon is healthy enough to play. There's a way to make it work where you could keep Josh Gordon and trade for Mohamed Sanu. There's just there's ways to do it. You don't have to put Josh Gordon on injury reserve. You don't have to release him. You don't have to waive him. You don't have to you know, use him as the guy. He doesn't need to be the casualty for the salary cap space to fit Muhammad Sanu in. I think a lot of us, when we saw the Mohamed Sanu trade, we thought, wow, when Josh Gordon does come back from this knee injury that he suffered against the Giants, Patriots once again going to be loaded. Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Mohamed Sanu. Like, I think that's what we all thought. We all all factored in Josh Gordon to the equation with the acquisition of Mohamed Sanu. I did not think Josh Gordon would be the casualty of a Mohamed Sanu trade for salary cap purposes. And I still don't think it's a a casualty type situation with regards to the Mohamed Sanu trade. I don't think the number one thing on the Patriots list by placing Josh Gordon on injured reserve, and sorry if just if I just mixed up the names there, but I'm going back and forth. I don't think the I do not think the number one thing on the Patriots list for placing Josh Gordon on injured reserve for the purpose of then releasing him and putting him on waivers after the trade deadline. I do not think the number one thing is we have to do this to fit Mohamed Sanu in. I just don't. I just don't. Because if that is, that wouldn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. And because it makes no sense, I don't think the Patriots are thinking that way. So the question, then, why do you put Josh Gordon on injured reserve if you know he's going to be healthy? If you know he's going to be healthy? Well, my only answer to this is that something happened. Something happened. What happened? I don't know. There was something that Josh Gordon was doing The Patriots didn't like, or maybe there was something that Josh Gordon wasn't doing that the Patriots didn't like something happened with Josh Gordon. Even Josh Gordon was caught off guard by this kind of even he was caught off guard. He put out on Instagram, a comment, the NFL put an Instagram photo that the Patriots are placing Josh Gordon on injured reserve and Josh Gordon commented and said, interesting. With the interesting emoji face, you know. So even Josh Gordon was playing it off like he this was catching him off guard. Internally, with the coaching staff, with Belichick, and I don't know, maybe even with Tom Brady, maybe they thought this just isn't working out. So, but why wouldn't it? Why wasn't it working out? Was he too banged up? Was he not rehabbing the right way? Was he? Was he maybe? Were they hearing that maybe he was acting up off the field? Um, I mean, it could have been just as simple as maybe Josh Gordon when it comes to game planning, when it comes to what he was doing at practice. Maybe the Patriots just looked at him and said, this, you know, it, it's just, he, he's not fitting in with us right now. He's just not, he's not getting it. We've given this, we've given him many chances to get it. You know, we stuck with him when the going got tough after what happened last season. Another suspension. You know, we stuck with him this year. But sticking with him isn't, you know, it isn't just enough for Josh Gordon to get sober, to stay sober. Josh Gordon also needs to, you know, he needs to do things the right way internally. With game planning, with practice, with preparation, the way we do it here in New England. Maybe he wasn't maybe he was doing those things. And 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 maybe it just wasn't working for Bill Belichick. It wasn't working for them for whatever reason. I I don't have specifics. I don't think anybody does. And so I think the Patriots looked at Josh Gordon and thought it's just something's. It's just not working for us. Um, maybe he just he's not getting it with regards to the system or the game plan or the preparation here. There's something that 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 he's doing or maybe not doing that we don't like, and and we don't want to do it anymore. We just don't want to do it anymore. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. What can we do to maximize losing Josh Gordon while also doing our best to make sure Josh Gordon does not end up with a championship contender in the AFC that, that we might have to face in the playoffs? I think that's the thought process they use. I think that's a thought process with the Jimmy Garoppolo Jimmy Garoppolo trade, sending him to the NFC. I, I've said that all along. I think Belichick puts value on that. And the example I always use is Aaron Rodgers. We, we've all called Aaron Rodgers one of the best quarterbacks in the game, a top three quarterback in the NFL for the last 10-plus years. During that stretch, how many times during the Patriots' Super Bowl runs here, how many times have they had to worry about Aaron Rodgers? Really never. Really never. So there is value in making sure that an impact player doesn't go to a team that you're going to have to run into. And and maybe Belichick is looking at the end of this season thinking, well, if he trades Josh Gordon, the only teams that are going to trade for Josh Gordon are teams that have a chance to win. Are teams that are going to be potential opponents for the Patriots in this year's playoffs. Or maybe late in the regular season. And I don't think the Patriots wanted to deal with that. And you might say, well, if he's placed on waivers after the trade deadline, why would uh, a team that has no chance to win claim Josh Gordon? Well, this is where it gets interesting. Because, you know, you look at a team like, you know, if he goes on waivers, who's the first team that would have a, a shot to get him? The worst team in the AFC, right? Is it the worst team in the division or the worst team in the AFC? It doesn't matter. Both are the same. The Miami Dolphins. By the way, being led... By somebody in the Bill Belichick coaching tree, which is who is Brian Flores. What you say? Why would the Dolphins claim Josh Gordon? They have no chance to win. Why would a bad team, even if it's not the Dolphins, you know, you you go up the ladder there, you start with the worst team. Why? Why would a bad team that has no chance to win claim Josh Gordon? Well, this is where it gets interesting. They would claim there would be incentive for a bad team to claim Josh Gordon. Because once they claim him, yeah, they've got to pick up that $1 million cap hit for the rest of the season. But also, with Gordon being an unrestricted free agent, whoever signs Josh Gordon in the offseason then gets a compensation pick. Excuse me. Then gives a compensation pick to the team that claims him on waivers. Am I confusing you? I hope not. Because sometimes I think about this stuff and I get so wrapped up in it that I confuse myself. So, for example, if the Dolphins claim Josh Gordon, they pick up the, the the contract for the rest of the season, they claim responsibility for the money that's owed to Josh Gordon the rest of the season, but the, you know, if they don't sign him in the offseason, let's just say Pittsburgh signs Josh Gordon. Pittsburgh then owes, you know, Mi- Miami then gets a compensation pick, right? They then get a compensation draft pick. So that's the incentive for the team claiming Josh Gordon, even if they're not a good team. So the point is, a bad team could claim Josh Gordon for the purpose of just getting the compensation draft pick in the offseason before next year's draft. Right? It could happen. Um, But you might say, well, why wouldn't the Patriots just hold on to Josh Gordon? Why wouldn't they hold on him? Well, the only thing I can think of is that if they know he's going to be healthy... I don't think it's to try to fit Sanu in under the cap. I don't think that Gordon is the cap casualty here. I just think that something was going on that the Patriots didn't like. And and they, they, they've had enough of it. They're done with it. They, I just think Bill Belichick was done for whatever reason. They were done with Josh Gordon. And when you're done with Josh Gordon... I guess they did everything they can at that point. They're doing everything they can at this point to maximize the return, knowing that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So they're saying, eh, we're not going to bring him back. He's not doing it for us right now. What can we do to maximize this? You know, what can we do to get something something out of this? We're going to part ways with Gordon. Can we get anything out of this? Well, they're taking the steps to get something out of it, which is freeing up cap space for the rest of the season, whether that be for Mohamed Sanu, ultimately, or whether that be for maybe another move that they could make before next week's trade deadline. Yeah, the Patriots, they they do things in funny ways. Uh, Belichick does things with the cap in funny ways. I just think they had enough of something that Josh Gordon either was or wasn't doing. And they didn't like it. They knew they weren't going to re-sign him after the season. They were done with him. It wasn't working out for them. So they said, if we part waves with him, how can we get something out of it? And what they're getting out of it is cap relief. If they waive him after the trade deadline. And also, they, I mean, again, if they traded him, they would have to trade him to a team that was a contender. And so that's not going to happen. You don't want, you don't want to send him to a contender. So you just release him and you hope that a bad team claims him and prevents him from going to a team you might run into in the AFC and the playoffs. And you hope that that bad team that claims him is looking at it, going, wow, we can get that compensation pick. So there is something for us in that. And also that bad team that claims him will be responsible for the rest of Josh Gordon's contract. So the Patriots, what they're getting out of it is ultimately salary cap relief. But I don't think that was their number one goal when, they, when they've decided to do all this with Josh Gordon. I think the number one goal was just, let's get something out of it because we just are done with Josh Gordon. Do I know why they were done with Josh Gordon? I don't. I don't. I don't. Clearly something, they were, they were done with something, now. They were. But it's confusing. It's a very strange situation. It is a very strange situation. I never would have thought that if you told me there was a news story on Josh Gordon, I would have told you that maybe there was another suspension because he failed another test. I would have never told you that the Patriots would put him on injured reserve knowing he's going to be healthy in a couple weeks, very soon, maybe even by next week, knowing that you have to release him then because you can't. He can't play for you. You put him on injured reserve, he's going to miss a certain amount of time. But if he's healthy, they give him this, it's called the minor injured reserve designation, which means, you know, when he's healthy enough to play, they're going to release him. And, and if they wait till after the trade deadline, he goes on waivers. And, <laughs> and because if they just release Josh Gordon right now, the Patriots would still be responsible for his salary. But if they wait till after the trade deadline, he's put on waivers, then it's a tricky way of the Patriots getting something out of this. They know they're gonna part ways with Gordon. They're just trying to get something out of it. Salary cap relief is what they get out of it, but I don't think that was the number one thing they wanted. I think the number one thing they wanted was just to part ways with Josh Gordon. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. But that's what's going on. Josh Gordon's days in New England are over. Um I would say that it I would say that Josh Gordon's time with the Patriots, the word I would use to describe it. Is disappointing. Disappointing. That's the word I would use to describe Josh Gordon's time with New England. Disappointing. It was. It was disappointing. You know, you never you had Josh Gordon had his moments. He had his moments. But he never really was the guy we all thought he was gonna be, with regards to his athletic ability and some of the things we had seen in you know in his first couple of years in the season before the suspensions piled up. Josh Gordon never became that dude. He never became that guy for the Patriots offense, and that's why it's disappointing. He showed there was there were flashes of it, right? Like when he first came last year, there were, there were a couple moments where he would he, he you know the yards after the catch, nobody could take him down, or he'd go up and get it, and you're like, oh boy, here we go. This is a this is a different dynamic. We like this. It wasn't consistent enough. There was something missing with his game. Right? There was, I'd say the word is disappointing. Josh Gordon's time with the Patriots is disappointing. That's how I would describe it. But his time is up, and we'll see what happens to him next, and we'll see if any other news comes out on this as to, you know, more descriptive details as to why the Patriots just had enough of Josh Gordon. That was it. They just Something happened. They had enough of it. Maybe it wasn't even that big of a deal. I'm not saying he was late to a practice or missed a meeting, or, or or did anything off the field. I think that maybe it was as simple as X's and O's, game planning, preparation, and the Patriots said, "We just don't need him. We don't need him. You know, he's not really doing. Maybe it's it's just not working out. So if we're gonna part ways with him, and we're gonna do it this season." No, we're not going to re-sign him after the season. How can we maximize our return? How can we get something out of this if we're going to part ways with Josh Gordon? And, and I think they're taking the steps to try and get something out of it by placing them on waivers and getting the salary cap relief. So, um, I don't expect the Patriots to do anything crazy, or to do anything at all before the trade deadline. I think their move was giving up a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu. And, um... Like I told you on Tuesday, I'm surprised the Patriots gave that up. I told you on the live stream on YouTube. I am surprised the Patriots gave up a second-round pick. I am. But did they get better? Like, am I against it? No. I'm just surprised they did it. You see Emmanuel Sanders gets traded to San Francisco from Denver. And that's for a third and a fourth-round pick. Um, San Francisco trades a third and a fourth round pick, gets Emmanuel Sanders and a fifth round pick. So, I I thought a second round pick was high for Snoop, but he'll help the team. There's no question. And and he he's going to have to help the team because now you don't have Josh Gordon walking back through that door. So, uh, that's what the Patriots offense is going to look like now. Those are some of the trades that were made this week. The trade deadline is next week. So, this is the final week in the NFL season before the trade deadline, but stick with the Pats here until I give you my picks for Week 8. I'm going to get to those in just a moment. I talked about this also on Tuesday's live stream. Adam Schefter continues to talk about Tom Brady's future. Adam Schefter was on the Monday Night Football pregame show, and he was adamant that Tom Brady was setting up to leave the New England Patriots after this season. And Adam Schefter, by being adamant on that, he wasn't implying that Brady was going to retire. He was implying that Tom Brady was going to go play for another team next year, which is so ludicrous to think. Like, if you want to sit there and go, well, you know, he's given signs that this could be his last season in the NFL. And that he's going to retire after this season. He's in his forties. He wants to spend time with his family, especially if they have a perfect season and can close it out with nine, you know, nineteen and zero with a Super Bowl. He's done. He is setting up for retirement. You know, it's one thing if if the analyst and someone like Adam Schefter says that. That it. That's one thing. It's another thing when someone like Adam Schefter sits there. On Monday Night Football pregame. And then again doubles down today on Thursday morning on ESPN's morning show. What is it called? Get up? In the, get up in the morning or something? Cold cold pizza? Squared? I don't know what they call it. But he's on that show. And he doubled down. Here's the quote from Adam Shifter. Today. He says, and I'm not going to play the audio because to be quite honest with you, like I cannot stand listening to Adam Schefter talk about something, especially with the Patriots quarterback situation with his opinion. He's a guy that gives the facts is supposed to dish out the facts is supposed to dish out the breaking news. Here's what happens. He, he tells you what happens. Someone like me tells you what it means. (laughs) Okay. But when Adam Schefter goes on these shows and he has moments where he doesn't just tell you what's happening, he also tries to tell you what it means. That's where he loses me. Because at, that's a dangerous game they're playing with him. Because then you wonder, well, what's fact and what's opinion? If Adam Schefter is a guy that, whose job is to give, a, give his fact, you know, to give facts on things and break news and give the hard news all the time, how do we separate facts from opinion? Because opinion isn't fact, it's opinion. So how do we separate the two? When someone like that starts giving their opinion and makes it sound like a fact, that's a dangerous thing. What do you believe? So when Adam Schefter gets all loud and 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 obnoxious and and pounds his chest and and tells people you're wrong, I'm right because here's how I see it. He, I can't, I can't listen to him. He loses me. That's not his job. That's not his job. That's my job. Hey, Schefter, my job is to be loud and obnoxious and give give opinions on things and give opinions on the facts. It's not your job. That's my job. So I can't listen to him. So I'll give you the quote. Here's Adam Schefter today on ESPN. It says, quote, these are Tom Brady's acts that he's put in motion. I don't think that he knows how it's going to play out after this year. But again, just look at the basic facts. That's what I said. If he's selling his house, if his trainer is selling his house, If he's voiding his contract, that doesn't tell you something? Schefter continued, I would just say there are three options. He's either staying in New England, he's retiring, or he's going to play somewhere else. I would think of those three, that staying in New England, to me, would seem like the least likely option of the three, but we'll see, end quote. And the headline, that's end of the quote, the headline that everyone's using of this is Adam Schefter says, staying in New England is the least likely option for Tom Brady after this season. I mean, we have to remember these are the opinions of Adam Schefter, but it's dangerous because these are the opinions of a guy that usually only gives us the facts. I want to clarify something, and I want to get it through to people out there. Adam Schefter, these are not facts. If these were facts, here's how Adam Schefter would be saying it, based on what we know Adam Schefter does and what he's great at doing. I'm giving him credit here, too, by the way. I know this might sound like I'm knocking the guy, but I'm giving him credit because I know how good he is. I know how many many news stories he breaks. I know how well-connected he is in the NFL. I know how good his sources are. If he's not the best in the business, he's the second best in the business, or he's tied for the best in the business at what he does, which is break news and give us the facts in the NFL. If if this was Schefter doing his job like he usually does it, here's what he would say. He would say, Tom Brady is thinking about leaving New England after the season, and here are the three teams that he might be interested in playing. Teams, The three teams that he might be interested in playing for next year. And he would give the three teams. Shafter has no teams. Shafter has no options to what Tom Brady wants to do if he leaves New England. What are the teams he wants to play for if he leaves New England? He he, is, he doesn't have that. And, and knowing how good he is at his job, if this was true that Tom Brady is considering playing for another team next year, I'm telling you right now, Adam Schefter, if it was true, he would be reporting the teams that Brady is interested in playing in. But instead, he's creating an opinion based on the facts that he keeps pointing out, which is that he sold his house, or he's selling his house, his trainer Alex Guerrero is selling his house, and he voided the last couple years on the contract. Well, he's using that to imply that... And and this is what Sheft is implying. He implied it on Monday Night Football during the pregame. He didn't imply that Brady was going to retire. He implied that Brady wanted to play for another team. As if he was saying, screw you to the Patriots organization for underpaying me all these years. I'm going somewhere else. That's what Sheft is implying here. Whether it's whether he's trying to get headlines, whether ESPN is telling him to do this, I have no idea. But the facts that he throws out, Brady's selling his house, his trainer's selling his house, he's void in the last couple of years of his contract. Schefter sees that and goes, Brady's going to go play for another team. Well, the, the other reports that, that he's not mentioning is that reportedly Tom Brady and Giselle have bought a house or are about to buy a house in Connecticut. In Connecticut. And what I know based on the, the map of the United States of America Is that if you're going to buy a house in Connecticut. You're not going to commute from Connecticut to Chicago and play for the Bears. You're not going to commute from Connecticut to Tennessee and play for the Titans. You're not going to commute from Connecticut to go play for a team out in the West Coast. Like. For the people that see that Brady bought a house, sold this house, and then bought a house or is buying a house in Connecticut, for the people that say, oh, Brady would never commute from Connecticut to New England. What, you think Brady? All right, he won't commute from Connecticut to New England, Connecticut to Foxborough. But he'll commute from Connecticut to Chicago or Connecticut to Tennessee? Give me a break. How do, how does that even make sense to you? If anything, it tells me that if he buys a house in Connecticut, There's only two options. You can eliminate the option of him playing for another team. Purchasing a house in Connecticut tells me there's only two options. Either he's retiring after the season, or he is going to commute to the Patriots and to Foxborough because that is the easiest commute. Don't give me that he's going to the Giants or the Jets. Please. Uh, To me... I have eliminated the option that Brady plays for another team next season, but it sounds like Adam Schefter continues to imply that he thinks that is actually the most likely option that Brady plays for another team next year. That's what Schefter is implying. I think that's crazy talk. I've always said Brady could play for another team before he officially retires. I think that's possible. I, I've I've always said that's possible. But that's only possible if the Patriots... You know, if Brady struggles and the Patriots start to struggle because Brady's struggling and the Patriots are like... They get to a point where they know Brady's time is up as an elite quarterback and the Patriots are only a 500 team and, and there's a new team that's taken over the division and the Patriots are like, eh, guess what, Tom? Time's up. Tom might have... You know, his pride might take over, and he might say, no, nope, screw that. I can still play. I'll go play somewhere else. And he goes and plays somewhere else. That's the only way it happens. To be sitting here today, going into week eight, and ask the question. It's, it, it, like, we're asking the same two questions in the same week. And these same two questions in the same week. Given these circumstances right now with this Patriots team, make no sense. It makes no sense to be asking these two questions. Here are the two questions we're asking. Will the Patriots go 16 and 0 and have an undefeated perfect regular season? That's one question we're asking. Will the Patriots go undefeated and have a perfect season? The other question we're asking is will Tom Brady play for another team next season? Will he want to leave the Patriots organization and play for another team? Do you realize how dumb that sounds to be asking those same two questions in the same season? Do you realize that? Like, knowing what we know about Brady and how much he wants to win, you think Brady doesn't think he's in a great situation right now? A great organization with a great defense? You think Brady doesn't sit there and watch other teams in the NFL? Again, going back to the Chicago thing, people early this week like, oh, maybe maybe the Bears understand Trubisky isn't the answer. Maybe they, they try to get Brady to sign as a free agent in the offseason. Okay, let me get this straight. Tom Brady is going to leave the Patriots a team that has uh, as could go perfect, right? They could have a perfect season this year, be, mainly because of their dominant defense. He's going to leave this to go to a team like the Bears – that just allowed over 30 points at home to a New Orleans Saints team that didn't even have Drew Brees or Alvin Kamara. Like, you think Brady is going to leave this to go to Chicago? I think people believe Tom Brady is stupid. So, all right, if you want to connect dots... And say Brady sold his house. His trainer sold his house. Forget about forget about Guerrero selling his house. If you by the way, if you're gonna mention this stuff about property and 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 combine Brady and Guerrero, you also have to mention they just opened a brand new TB12 center in downtown Boston. And you can say, well, that's gonna be a worldwide brand. Okay, fine. But I mean If it's a worldwide worldwide brand, he can have that space in Boston and get that space whenever he wants. You know, he can do it right before he gets out of town. I mean, it's just, you got to mention that if you're going to mention all this other property stuff, this stuff with his property that he owns and is selling and buying, whatever. you got to mention. Forget about the trainer. You want to connect the dots on things. Brady's selling his house, buys a house in Connecticut. What does that tell me? That tells me he's closer to retiring after this season than he is playing for another team. And it's not even close. That, those things aren't even close. In fact, when I hear that he bought a house in Connecticut, I completely rule out that he's ever going to play for another team. Thinking that, well, maybe retirement is, is coming soon. Is it next year? I, it doesn't have to be. He couldn't commute. It's a long drive. Two hours? hours? Two and a half hours? I don't know. Maybe he's going to start uh, a TV-12 helicopter service. I don't know. Uh, Maybe he flies to Gillette every day. I got no idea. Maybe Tom Brady has a place in this area that he's going to stay at from Wednesday to Saturday or Wednesday to Sunday. You know, maybe he, who knows, just maybe two days a week he stays here. The, the point that I'm trying to make is that we're listening to Adam Schefter go off on these rants about how he thinks that Tom Brady, the the least likely option, is him playing for the Patriots next year. He's implying that Brady plays somewhere else. Yeah, he throws retirement in as an option this morning. He wasn't really considering that as an option on Monday Night Football. Schefter believes is Bra- buying in to the madness and the chaos and the drama that, that that a lot of people think is going on behind the scenes with the Patriots because they want to believe there's drama behind the scenes because they want the Patriots dynasty to end, much like that Seth Wickersham article a couple years ago, that if you read that article and believe that to be fact and didn't know anything about the Patriots, you would have thought that the sky has fallen, and, and that was the last season. There's a palpable sense in the room that the Patriots dynasty is coming to an end. I mean... What's happened since then? Uh, I don't know. The Patriots have gone to two Super Bowls and have won one of them. Give me a break. Schefter's buying in and creating the drama because he wants to believe that Tom Brady would play for another team next season and would tell the Patriots to screw. I got news for Adam Schefter and even anybody who believes Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter has been wrong before when it comes to the Patriots quarterback situation. Two years ago. Two and a half years ago. We will play an audio on this show of Adam Schefter almost every single week of him going on different shows in this area, different shows nationally, and Adam Schefter was yelling and screaming, saying, the Patriots are not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Stop talking about it. Stop asking me about it. It's not happening. End of story. They're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Adam Schefter got so defensive when you questioned him on that. When you were like, well, what are they going to do with him? He's going to be a free agent. Are they going to pay the backup quarterback $23 million under the franchise tag? Come on. No, Schefter bought into this idea that the Patriots and Brady were going to part ways and that Garoppolo is their guy. He got so defensive when you would question his report. I've never seen anything like it. I never saw anything like it. He would almost yell at you. He'd say, you're wrong and I'm right. The Patriots are not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. End of story. Stop asking me about it. You're an idiot. I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm the one with four cell phones. I'm the one is texting until five in the morning with NFL execs and players getting all the scoop. You're an idiot. I know everything. And what I know is that the Patriots are not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you don't believe me, you're a moron and you should shut up. That's basically what Adam Schefter said. From, he went on this rant for a couple months. Do you know what happened? <laughs> oh, you know what happened. The Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo. So what was with all the madness that Adam Schefter was, was stirring up? So he's been wrong before on the Patriots quarterback situation. And now he is pounding his chest again. It's not as strong. He's not as adamant. He's not calling people morons. But he's getting close to it. I think we're like two or three Adam Schefter, two or three Adam Schefter media sessions or appearances on different shows. With two or three of those appearances away from Schefter getting as upset as he did with the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff, saying, "Look, look, I'm telling you, he sold his house. His trainer sold his house." He voided the years of the contract. What does that tell you? He is leaving New England. That's what he's going to continue to do. And I am here to tell you that I think it is very possible that Tom Brady plays for the Patriots next season. In fact, to me, there's only two options. Either he plays for the Patriots next season because he's not an idiot and he understands that this is the best chance for him to win. He either plays for the Patriots next season or he retires. Or this is his last year. And he's preparing for that with selling his house, getting his house in Connecticut. Family wants to maybe be closer to New York City. I don't know. Whatever it is. That's not my business. That's his business. But if you're going to talk about commuting, oh, Brady would never commute from from Connecticut to Foxborough. What? You think he's going to commute from Connecticut to Chicago then? You think he's going to commute from Connecticut to Nashville, Tennessee? Give me a break. Anyone who's saying Tom Brady's going to play for another team next year, to me, sounds like they think they know it all, but yet they know nothing at all. And right now, Adam Schefter has that, which is confusing and dangerous because he actually is a guy that knows a whole heck of a lot. He's great at his job. When he's given the facts, and right now, Sheft is going on this little media tour, much like with the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff, where he's not giving facts, he's giving opinion, and that's dangerous. And he's wrong, and and you shouldn't be shocked by that because he's been wrong before when it comes to the Patriots quarterback situation. So, um, just enjoy this with Brady, right? I wrote a column in the Boston Metro today; it's in print. It's I linked it on Twitter. Man, enjoy this, Tom Brady is, you know, if he does retire after this season, next October, do you want to be sitting there going, damn, do you want to be sitting there watching Jared Stidham throw pick sixes, going, man, I wish I enjoyed Brady's final season. Yeah, it was a perfect one, but all we did all year was question whether or not he was going to play for another team because Adam Schefter kept yelling at us about it. <laughs> like, enjoy it. Don't listen to him. Enjoy it. Because... When it comes to this, I'm telling you right now, I don't think he knows what he's talking about, Adam Shifter. I'm trying to use logic. Logic tells me that there's only two options. Brady either retires or he plays for the Patriots next season. And if I had to put my money on it, I would tell you that Brady plays for the Patriots next season. That's what I would put my money on. I would put my money on it. So, um, that's what we got with the Tom Brady situation, which means that now... I give you my picks for Week 8 in the NFL. But actually, real quick, let's just go over the uh, w- what the lineup looks like. Not every game, but a couple of the, the big stories here for Week 8 in the NFL. Two teams will have a bye. Dallas and Baltimore. We got one London game, which is Cincinnati and the Rams in London at 1 o'clock. A 1 o'clock kickoff in London at Wembley Stadium, Cincinnati and the L.A. Rams. But Week 8 will begin on Thursday Night Football with Washington at Minnesota. Uh, The Vikings a 17-point favorite tonight on Thursday Night Football at home against Washington. Do you really want to watch this game? Um, I know I don't, but I probably will. The World Series is not on tonight. The World Series resumes on Friday. Uh, I will get to that in just a few moments, but I'll probably watch Washington-Minnesota it's not a great game. Minnesota, a 17 point favorite, as they probably should be, given the points they've been putting up the last couple weeks. Week eight will end with Miami at Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. Pittsburgh, a 14 and a half point favorite at home against Miami. I don't really want to watch that game either, so not a great Monday Night game. The Sunday Night Football game of the week is Kansas City hosting Green Bay. Green Bay, a four point favorite in this game. At Kansas City, the story is Patrick Mahomes. Will he play? Will he not play? He's practicing. He's practiced the last couple days. Uh, I still don't think he's going to play. At least the things that I read and just using my brain, I just I don't think he's going to play. I think they'll go with Matt Moore in this one, which means that's not good news for Kansas City, a team that needs all the offense they can get because their defense is horrible, and they've already lost twice at home this season. So Kansas City... Without Patrick Mahomes, it's not a great Sunday night football game either, so the nationally televised games are not great this week, but that's the Sunday night game of the week. Kansas City hosting Green Bay here in New England. We have uh, attention on the Patriots hosting Cleveland Sunday at 425 on CBS. The Patriots a 13-point favorite at home as they are 7-0 and look to stay undefeated, and they probably will. Uh, Jim R- J- Jim, R- Jim Nance and Tony Romo... Combining the two names, Jim Romo, uh, Jim Nance, and Tony Romo on the call on CBS at 425. Patriots, Browns, the Patriots, again, a 13-point favorite, which brings us to Picks Picks for Week 8. Let's get to it. Hit the music. Picks Picks for Week 8, presented by betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account using promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% percent Sign up bonus betonline.ag, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. I went three and two last week against the spread. My record on the season against the spread now is fourteen and twenty-one. I know you're thinking, Danny, that is not good. Well, if you pay attention to gambling in the NFL, you will also know that I'm starting to get back on a positive roll, right? I think that I'm due. For maybe a four and one week. Better yet, I'm due for a perfect five and zero week. So that's what I strive to do. That's what I expect to do. So let's do it. Pick number one. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles. A two point dog over the Buffalo Bills. This game is in Buffalo Sunday at one o'clock. The Buffalo Bills, they're five and one. How about that? They're five and one. They get no attention, they get no respect. But I can understand it because they don't really have that much star power. The Buffalo Bills, they're five and one. They've won two straight. Their schedule has been soft. Soft. Capital S soft. The Bills five wins. Here's what they've beaten. The Jets, the Giants, the Bengals, the Titans, and the Dolphins. So is Buffalo at five and one. Are they for real? I wouldn't put my money on it. Philadelphia is 3-4. and four. They're coming off two straight losses to Minnesota and Dallas. Yet Philly, even though they're a game under five hundred, they are still alive in the NFC East race. That's mainly because nobody seems to want that division. The Dallas Cowboys, after beginning of the season 3-0, oh, they lost three straight. Dallas won their last game. Dallas now 4-3. So, when Dallas 4-3 and three, and Philly 3-4, and four, Philly, they're still alive in that division. When you look at the Eagles... And you look at the Bills and the, the teams that they've beaten, that each of those two teams have beaten this season. At least Philadelphia has a respectable win against Green Bay, a very good Green Bay team. In fact, Philadelphia has given Green Bay its only loss of this season. So Philadelphia, they're a game under 500, and they play a team that's 5-1, In that team's building in Buffalo, I still think Philly as a two-point dog. Forget about the two points. I think Philly goes in and wins this game. Give me the Eagles to get back to 500 with a win over Buffalo. I'm taking Philly plus two over the Bills Sunday at 1 o'clock. Then I'm going with the Carolina Panthers, a -a five-and-a-half-point dog over the San Francisco 49ers. This game is in San Fran Sunday at 4 o'clock. The Panthers are 4-2. and two. They are sticking with quarterback Kyle Allen instead of Cam Newton. Cam Newton, they say, is still rehabbing the foot injury. But I'm starting to wonder. Cam Newton was 0-2 this season with no touchdown passes and one interception. Kyle Allen, he's won the four games that he started. So Carolina starts off 0-2 with Cam Newton. He gets hurt. Kyle Allen steps in. Now they went four, four straight, and Carolina's 4-2. and two. Kyle Allen does not turn the ball over. Zero interceptions in these four wins, seven touchdowns. So I think that if you look at what Carolina could do in San Francisco on Sunday, which is they could beat the 49ers and hand the 49ers their first loss of the season. If Kyle Allen can do that, then Kyle Allen might officially steal the starting quarterback job for the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton might lose his job if Carolina wins this game and if they win it with Kyle Allen not turning the ball over and maybe throwing a touchdown pass or a two will they win San Francisco is a good team they're undefeated 6-0 and they're coming off a win over Washington that's an easy win There was terrible weather in that game so don't look at the score it was a 9 nothing win but again it was like a hurricane or a tornado whatever was going on in that field that day a monsoon you name it they were getting hit with it with regards to weather all you got to know is that San Fran won and they're undefeated at 6-0 and Look at their pass rush. That's dangerous for Carolina's offense. Look at San Fran's defense as a whole. They allow just 11 points per game. So this is a dangerous game for Carolina's offense, a dangerous game for Kyle Allen. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Carolina will win the game and that Kyle Allen will steal the starting quarterback job and that Cam Newton will lose his job with this game. I'm not going to tell you Carolina will go into San Fran and win. What I will tell you is Carolina will be good enough to keep it competitive from start to finish, which means what? It means they cover. This is going to be a three-point game. I think Carolina getting the points on the road, keeping it competitive. I got to take those points. Give me the Panthers plus five and a half over the 49ers Sunday in San Fran, big fan of the points in that one. I'm also a big fan of the points in this one. I'm taking the Oakland Raiders, a seven-point dog, over to Houston Texans. This game is in Houston, Sunday at 4 o'clock. As you know, if you listen to me, I'm very high on Houston this year. Very high on Houston. But they let me down. The Texans let me down in a big way, in a major way last week, losing to the Indianapolis Colts. Come on, Houston. What are you doing to me? They let me down. They're now 4-3. You got the Raiders, on the other hand. They're coming off a—the a, Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. They're coming off a bad loss to Green Bay. They got whooped by the Packers. I told you that was going to happen. I told you it would be a reality check for Oakland, and it was. Aaron Rodgers lit them up with five touchdown passes and over 400 yards passing. Oakland's 3-3. Three Again, reality check. But here's the deal. Here's another reality check for Oakland. When you look up at your division, you see Kansas City there at 5-2. and two, Right? You see the Chiefs at 5-2. and two. But you also see Patrick Mahomes injured. Which, if you're Oakland, that has to open your eyes That opens the door. You are alive in the AFC West. You are alive in that division. You don't know how long Mahomes is going to be out for. You don't know that when he gets back, how good he's going to look, how athletic he's going to look, if he's even healthy enough to win. A terrible Chiefs defense, even though Oakland got whooped by Green Bay. They have to feel good about their chances in their division, or at least they have to feel better about their chances in this AFC West division, knowing that Mahomes is banged up and that Kansas City's defense stinks right now. So the Raiders... They might not win this game in Houston on Sunday, but the seven points, I think they, like I said, Carolina would keep it competitive in San Fran. I think Oakland keeps it competitive in Houston. Give me the points. Give me the Raiders plus seven over the Texans Sunday in Houston. Then I am taking the New England Patriots. It's a high spread, but it's at Gillette Stadium. The Patriots a 13-point favorite They're hosting the Cleveland Browns Sunday at Gillette Stadium at 425. The Patriots, you know their story by now. They're 7-0 against the spread. They are 5-2 against the spread this season. You look at Cleveland, they're 2-4. Cleveland's coming off the bye. Before the bye, the Browns lost two straight to San Francisco and Seattle. The Patriots, they're coming off their second shutout win of the season, shutting out the New York Jets on Monday Night Football 33 nothing they embarrassed the Jets they embarrassed Sam Donald Sam Donald was mic'd up saying he's seeing ghosts by the way why are we all so sensitive about that comment some sometimes I think that people not don't just overreact to things they hear things and they don't really usually pay attention so they just go whoa I've never heard that term before that's a big deal It's not a big deal. Seeing ghosts is a term that is used almost every single week in the NFL. You just never really hear a quarterback come out and say it publicly. He did. Well, maybe publicly. He didn't know that that portion of it was going to be on Monday Night Football. But if you're going to be mic'd up, to me, if you're going to agree to be mic'd up, then everything that you say is on the table. So uh, maybe don't mic your young quarterback up. Maybe don't agree to that, and then that won't get up. That won't get out to the public. But the fact that he said um, that Sam Donald said I'm seeing ghosts. It honestly, it's not that big a deal. It really isn't that big a deal. It's a term that is used a lot in football with quarterbacks, and it's used a lot in the NFL. I've used it a lot in this show. I've used it with with regards to Brady, with regards to Tom Brady. I think sometimes he sees ghosts. If your offensive line is shaky, you're gonna see ghosts. That's the term you use. It's not an earth shattering. You know, end of the world term. I think Sam Donald will be fine, but the Patriots certainly embarrassed them last week, and I think they will also embarrass the Cleveland Browns. The Pats win this by at least 20. Um, uh, I think their defense is... They're going to... They Look, what we know about Cleveland is, and I tell you this all the time, they've proven to be more about the show than they are the game, right? Like, Baker Mayfield is going to be in 17 commercials during this game, and... What I wonder is, are they going to maybe put the commercials aside just for a few weeks and try to win some football games? Well, if they do, it's not going to be this week. The Patriots, I expect them to win big at home. They win by 20. Give me the Patriots, minus 13, over the Browns Sunday at Gillette Stadium. And then my lock of the week, I got the Green Bay Packers, a four-point favorite over the Kansas City Chiefs. I told you this is on Sunday Night Football. In Kansas City. And I have a question with this, though. All right, Patrick Mahomes, he's practiced the last couple days. I still don't expect him to play. Even before we knew that Mahomes was going to practice, this was still only a four-point spread. I know it's in Kansas City. But to me, seeing how good the Packers have looked, not just their offense, Aaron Rodgers coming up a game in which he threw five touchdown passes and over 400 yards, it's their defense. Green Bay's defense has allowed just 19 points per game. Green Bay right now is I mean one of the more dominant teams in the NFL. They go into Kansas City. Kansas City has already lost twice at home this year. So don't give me that this is still this tough place to play. If they think if people think they're going to have Matt Moore as their starting quarterback instead of Patrick Mahomes, don't you think the spread would be higher? I thought it would be like what am I missing with this only being a 4-point spread? Green Bay's a 4-point favorite on the road, but I mean, if they were a seven-point favorite on the road, I could see that. I think the Packers win by at least ten. This, to me, is a no-brainer. As long as Patrick Mahomes doesn't play in this game, I'm all all—I'm jumping all over Green Bay. No-brainer. Lock of the week. Give me the Packers to win and to cover. I'm taking Green Bay minus four over the Chiefs in Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. So my five picks for Week 8. I'm taking Philly plus two. Carolina plus 5.5, Oakland plus 7, New England minus 13, and my lock of the week, Green Bay minus 4. Those are my picks for Week 8 in the NFL presented by BetOnline.ag. Sign up for a free account using promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, the exclusive partner of PODCAST1 Sportsnet. So there you have it. I am ready to I'm ready to have my first perfect week of the season. I am. I had a great start to the season, but it has been tough the last couple weeks. So last week I was three and two, but still that's not good enough. I need to be at least four and one four and one. Four and one's a, a great week, right? Given a lot of the unpredictability that you get in this league, four and one's a great week. Though I did take a lot of pride in my Baltimore pick last week over Seattle. But enough about last week. It's it's on to this week. Those are my picks. Um take my advice any way you want but just remember you're an adult you can make your own decisions. <laughs> so um we'll now with that said we'll now move on from the NFL and it brings us to a couple things I want to wrap the show up with and and first and foremost I watched I've been watching the the World Series more than the first two nights of the NBA regular season and I will always do that I just think the World Series, I just think postseason baseball in general is one of the most exciting things to watch. I know there's some people that don't agree with that, but that's fine. To each his own. You can agree or enjoy something different than I do. That's fine. I'm not judging you. I mean, if you want to judge me, go ahead. I could kill less. but I'm just letting you know, if you don't find enjoyment in postseason baseball like I do, I'm not judging you. I'm not. I just know what I enjoy. And I've enjoyed the World Series the last couple nights. The Nationals are up 2-0 on the Astros. They won both games in Houston, games one and two, Washington did. I did not see that coming. The Nationals are the wild card team in the National League. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought maybe a split at the very least. But the Nationals won the first two. They'll have tonight off. Game three is in D.C. tomorrow night on Friday night. You get Sanchez versus Granky at 8 o'clock on Fox. Game four is going to be on Saturday. And then game five, if necessary, crazy to to think that we have to say if necessary, game five is going to be on Sunday. So games three, four, five, all in D.C. in the 2-3-2 series. And games three, four, and five in D.C. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Um, I will say while I was watching game two of the World Series last night, I was going back and forth to the Celtics Seventy Sixes game. And in this Celtics Seventy Sixes game, we saw the Celtics lose to Philly in Philly. Pretty boring game, if you ask me, from what I saw. And then when I read on Twitter, I think a lot of people who actually watched the whole game felt the same way. Boring game. Are the Celtics going to be a boring team? Are they going to be boring? I, you know, I think we need to let this thing play out. Like to, to come out with this reaction on the Celtics today and say they're either going to be great or they're going to be terrible based on one game is an overreaction of epic proportions. And I'm not going to sit here and do that. What I will say is something that I saw last night with this boring game, which is something that I've felt now for the last couple of years and really even before he was a Celtic. Last night just confirmed what I already had felt and thought about Gordon Hayward. Like, I I just, I do not and I tweeted about this last night. I do not find enjoyment in watching Gordon Hayward play. I don't, I don't. I don't find enjoyment in that. I really don't. No enjoyment whatsoever. I think he's overrated. I do. I think Gordon Hayward, Excuse me. I think Gordon Hayward is overrated. And, uh, you know, I wonder, like, I look at Tatum, Jalen Brown under the new contract. I really like Tatum and Brown. Um, Kemba Walker, I mean, we know the numbers he put up in Charlotte. I think he's highly overpaid, getting the type of contract he got, got with the Celtics. I I would have been just fine with, with, with keeping Terry Rozier. Um... But I I think we need to see how Kemba Walker is going to play with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Here's what I don't need to see. I don't need to see what Gordon... I don't need to see what Gordon Hayward does with this team. Like, to me, Gordon Hayward is still... Even though Kyrie Irving's gone. Even though Al Horford is gone. To me, when you add Kemba Walker, you give Jalen Brown this contract, you expect Jason Tatum to make that leap to where next year you maybe could sign him to a contract worth 30 million a year where does Gordon Haywood fit into this I just I I I didn't I didn't really understand it from day one and I still don't the more I watch it even without Irvin and Horford. like I I just don't see it with Gordon Haywood I get it that that he's a very good player like I'm not I'm not trying to say he sucks he doesn't he doesn't To me, he's not an all-star caliber, max contract elite guy, though. And I think if you're the Celtics, you know, knowing the guys you have, I don't know that you... Like, man, this is tough to explain, but when I'm watching the Celtics and I'm watching Hayward with the ball, I'm thinking to myself, eh, I'd rather see the ball in Tatum or Brown's hands. You know, Gordon Hayward is just kind of there, and it's just still kind of, to me, in the way of some other kids that I want to see take the shots. And you'll you'll probably get a lot of people in this town that disagree with me on that. Certainly the Celtics will disagree with me on that. Celtics love them. They love them. But I just find no enjoyment in watching Gordon Hayward play for the Celtics. Given the other pieces they have and the other pieces that I want to see get a majority of, of the shots in the minutes. And... um i I guess i I would be okay if they traded Gordon Haywood i would I'd be okay with it. I wonder if at some point we'll get to that conversation. obviously, we can't overreact like I should now, but um and and I, this is me like i he Gordon Haywood could have put up seventy points last night, and I still there's just something about his game where I'm like eh. And there's something about his game combined with the other young players they have on this team where I see Gordon Hayward with the ball. I'm like, eh, he just doesn't do it for me. And uh, he just kind of feels out of place on this team in this organization. I, I just, I don't see it. So we'll let it play out. I'm not going to tell you they need to shit him out of town right now. But, um, I, you know, I, I never was on board with giving him the big contract in the first place. Never was. I'm on the record with that. On the record with that. But we'll see where the Celtics go, right? We'll see where they go. Uh, Kyrie Irving. I'm not going to play the audio because its I've listened to it a million times. I tweeted it out. Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn last night before their game. He gets the microphone. He's at midcourt. He's talking to the crowd. And, and, and he has to give the little pause and tap his chest and say, sorry, I'm, I'm getting choked up. This means a lot to me. I, I'm paraphrasing. But that's what he basically did. Like, he he basically paused and said he was getting choked up. Like, the Brooklyn Nets are this historic organization. (laughs) Right? Um, I get it. It's his hometown team. But please. You know, it wasn't... It was only a year ago that he had the microphone in front of Celtics fans saying, if you'll have me, I'd like to stay here. Like... He's just such a boob. Kyrie Irving, he is. He's a boob. Like, he's exhausting. Because I just feel like he's so phony and, and he's, a, he's a boob. That's what he is. And um, I don't know how he, I, he's, that's but But you see him play. He scores 50 points last night. You see some of the shots he makes. That's what made the Kyrie Irving experience in Boston so difficult is that you know he's a boob, he's exhausting, and because of that, he's tough to root for. But you know how good he is. You know how good he can be. You know he can take over a game. You know he can dominate. You know he can hit the big shots in the big moments. And you know he can be a guy in the playoffs that can take a team on his back and help win a championship. But man, you go back to the way he played against Milwaukee, and then after that game, he's saying, "Oh, he can't wait to see Milwaukee play in the next round like, the talent and the personality, the way you feel about those two things will drive you crazy. And I don't know how Brooklyn Nets are gonna feel about fans are gonna feel about him. Brooklyn Nets fans are gonna feel about him. I don't know. But um he's a boob. He misses the game winner. He scored fifty, but he misses the game winner. He did this little move where he like fell on the ground and did a little spin a rooney on the ground and kept the ball and still got the shot off and it missed, and they lost the game to Minnesota. People saying he tripped. Eh? I've watched that about a hundred times. I don't know that he tripped. I think he might have did that on purpose. Trying to get nuts. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not, put it this way. I'm not convinced he tripped. You could convince me he did that stupid move on purpose. You could. <laughs> Maybe that's based on, that's just me reacting to his personality. But, um, uh, man, it's tough to root for Kyrie. It's not tough to root against him, I can tell you that, now that he's with a different team. So keep an eye on that situation. But um, that's some dots on the NBA and the Celtics. And it, you know, I mentioned the World Series. Just a couple MLB notes, Major League Baseball, not Red Sox related. But as of today, the Phillies have replaced manager Gabe Kaplan with Joe Girardi. So Joe Girardi is going to be managing the Phillies. Speaking of Phillies, with the Nationals up 2-0 in the World Series... Has anybody checked on Bryce Hopper? Has anybody checked on Bryce Hopper? How's he feeling? What are his thoughts? A penny for your thoughts, sir. Bryce Hopper, on how you feel about the Nationals two wins away from a World Series championship. As you sit there in Philly with Joe Girardi now as your manager. Joe Girardi, the new manager of the Phillies. And then the Cubs replaced Joe Madden with David Ross. David Ross, the new manager of the Cubs. I didn't see that coming. But um this seems to be a move from Theo Epstein and you know David Ross when he played for the Cubs, what do they call him? Grandpa Rossi. I mean, he's ba- he was he's basically also a coach. You know, given his veteran status, how much he knows the game, how much the young kids look up to him, he's basically a coach. He's like a player coach. He was like a player coach with the Cubs. So it does make sense to hire him as a manager. I can can see it. Even though he doesn't have the experience, he still has the experience as a veteran player who was essentially a veteran player coach for the Cubs when they won that World Series a couple years ago. So um, I think that's a good move for the Cubs. Put it this way, it's not a bad move for the Cubs. I like it. David Ross, new manager of the Cubs. And finally, uh, a UFC story that came out this week. Conor McGregor. I do pay attention to the fight game when it's big news, and this is kind of big news. Conor McGregor says he is going to return to the Octagon on January 18th in Las Vegas. UFC must have an event in Vegas on January 18th. Conor McGregor says, I am fighting. Who is he going to fight? His opponent is to be determined. Now, McGregor says he knows who it's going to be, but he's not going to say it because he thinks UFC will make sure not to make that happen. Um, Dana White says nothing is close. But that's just a negotiation taking its course publicly. I mean, Conor McGregor, the news is he's going to return to the Octagon and he's going to fight on January 18th in Las Vegas. But also with McGregor, he he gave an interview. He was asked about the WWE. Uh, was he? Uh, put it this way. He mentioned the WWE. He said that going to the WWE at some point is a possibility. And if you listen to me, you know that I am not surprised by this. Because I've been telling you, WWE is the perfect place for Conor McGregor. Perfect. Look at what's going on in WWE now. You got heavyweight boxer Tyson Fury is. When is it? Is that event today or tomorrow? What are they going back to Saudi Arabia, right? Crown Jewel? Wherever they're at. The Crown Jewel pay-per-view. Tyson Fury. Is, is fighting in WWE against Braun Strowman. And then you got Cain Velasquez, former MMA star, going up against Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. I mean, these guys, these fighters are getting involved in WWE. We've seen it before. We see it again. And if you look at Conor McGregor's personality, I mean, go back and watch videos of the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather press conferences leading up to that boxing match. And by the way, Floyd Mayweather fought at WrestleMania against the Big Show. So he's been in the WWE. He might even be a WWE Hall of Famer for crying out loud. Conor McGregor would be perfect for WWE. I've been telling you this really for the last uh, last couple years. But I've been stressing it over the last six months or so because you look at his career and I think the momentum that he's lost I think it's gonna to be tough for him. I think the risk is greater than the reward of him fighting in the UFC again against the uh you know, an elite opponent. Because if he loses another fight, you know, that's a the the McGregor mystique, it still exists right now, but he might lose that mystique if he loses one more fight in the UFC. So Keep that UFC MMA mystique preserved and just go to the WWE where you can be great on the mic. You can be, you know, maybe the most entertaining guy they got. I just think it's a perfect fit. And Conor McGregor, the news is that he has said it's a possibility, him going to WWE. And I've been telling you that for a long time. Get this show whenever you want at Podcast One, also on iTunes, iTunes. Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Make sure you check out my website to get all my podcasts, videos, columns, blogs—you name it. I just launched a new weekly blog series. I guess you call it this week, today, in fact, called Throwback Thursday, where I'm just gonna I'm gonna blog about an old an old story that I got for you. It's story time on Thursday. Check it out, dannypicard.com Throwback Thursday. My my first installment is a story that I. I've told this story in the past, but I put it in print and uh, I put it in a blog form, and and I think you'll find some entertain some entertaining value in that. And uh, it's how I snuck into the World Series in 2004 when the Red Sox were playing the St. Louis Cardinals. So check that out at dannypicard.com. Also, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash/dannypicard. I have video of me giving picks, picks. Uh, We take video highlights from this show. I do a live stream every Tuesday, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Enjoy week eight in the NFL. I will be back to break it all down and react to it all on Monday. Talk to you then.